Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. The only rule that applies is my own heart-centered intuition. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. We thought we'd get back into some really psychic, spiritual, juicy territory today because it's been a while between drinks. And I thought that we'd talk about this phenomenon that's happening within the spiritual, psychic, new age industry, which is this shift between the old guard and the new guard. Now, I think this is really interesting. It's very in alignment with a lot of the talk, Jane, and I've done of late in episodes, even the terrorism episode, but where we talk about XY vibration and we talk about how the world is really shifting into two dimensions, if you want to call it that. Everyone's got their own version for what, how they're describing what's going on. And I, and I want to be really careful when I talk about this to not sound elitist, hierarchical, or even it's almost like racism. It's like spiritual racism, like saying better than or more evolved than and all that kind of stuff, because that's not obviously the point that I'm trying to make. But what, what I'm saying is happening very, very clearly and apparently on earth and has been for 20 years, 30 years now, I'd say even since the flower children landed after the bomb, um, has been that there's been this, as we know, mass awakening of consciousness on this planet. Now, I had a friend email me the other day and she said something like, apparently we only need 0.01% of the world to wake up for the whole shift to happen, 35 million. She's like, surely we have that many already. (laughs) And so this mass conscious awakening has been happening in intensity for 5, 10, 15 years now. There are still a lot of old books old teachers, old gurus, old ways of accessing spiritual and psychic knowledge which are floating around. And I do think there's confusion between the ways of the old and the ways of the new. And I do think if you listen to our Collapse of the Guru, Death of the Guru episode a few weeks ago, there's also maybe a kickback where we're less needing to look out. See, people are hungry for more and more and more spiritual knowledge as they're waking up, but I think the message needs to be Less looking outside yourself for the tools, the ideas, the tips, the messages, the enlightenment, and more looking within. Jane, what do you want to say to to start off this topic for which, oh, I've got so much to say. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I remember many, many years ago when I first got attuned in Reiki and learned how to do Reiki, and it was so beautiful. It like blew my mind. It was like, wow, this hands-on energy work that was fabulous. And you'd spend 45 minutes giving somebody Reiki. And it was beautiful. And it was, you know, the gift that you give to yourself as well as you're giving to someone else. And then I read Dr. Eric Pearl's book about the reconnection. And it was about how he was working off the body. He was taking his hands at roughly about 10, 12 inches off the body. And that the vibration and healing was stronger. And I started mucking around with this and thought it was fabulous and fun. And then I started doing party tricks of Reiki or energy healing. You know, I'd be down at the shack and there'd be all the other van owners down there and a couple of the girls would say they had a headache and I'd bring out the party trick and put my hands on their head and five minutes later the headache's gone. And I started to realise that I feel with this movement, of course, has come different dimensional energies that have come into our atmosphere that have provided stronger healing modalities, but also faster. 
And then we moved, of course, into 2012, where, you know, do do 12, 12, 12. It was big doomsday of whatever was going to happen was going to happen. And I can remember in, in early in 2012 saying to quite a few people, I feel like one of the shifts we're going to see is that all healings are going to get really fast and that those healings I don't just mean where you go to a, a healing practitioner and and have your Reiki or whatever, but it's also the emotional healing of, of people having their aha moments. They're just going to get it so much faster than what I did in my day. And that really excites me. So I've seen the biggest change I've seen over the last 10 years would be... Time has sped up. Yes, but also so has the ability for the conscious breakthrough. Yeah, so t- it's tr- time has sped up. I read something scientific about this recently. Oh, the quickening. The quickening is a you. It's a YouTube. It's on YouTube. It's called the quickening. It's a wonderful. Goes for about ten minutes, fifteen minutes. It's a wonderful little documentary that talks about how time has sped up. Mm. And it's. I know this is complete anecdotal, whatever. But I mean, I can remember the nineties. I know we didn't have screens to distract ourselves as much back then, but life was slower. And if you went to a weekend um theta healing course let's say it would be three full days from eight till six to teach all the concepts and it would take people three days of practicing and they'd still be a bit clunky at it fast forward 10 15 20 years and spiritual teachers are saying what used to take me a two-week course or a 10-day course or a weekend course in the 90s takes two hours Yes, I agree. Even for people with no spiritual background because everyone has somehow juiced up. They're juicy. They're ready like sponges to soak up. They just somehow get it. Everything's faster. It's quantum leaps. It's incredible. So when Jane talks about healings being more immediate and invisible and effective as well, no doubt that everything's changed in the way. Well, I've watched clients, you know, and I've actually, you know, one of the biggest chunks in, in social work with, with single people, one of the biggest challenges is actually highly evolved, highly conscious spiritual people. They're actually very hard to match because you're, they're so advanced. You reckon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just quietly back. The single girl at the time. Yeah. Like crickets. Yeah, go on. It, 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 but they are hard because to your ideal partner is somebody that's just as evolved as you. And... They're still few and far between, although that is changing. But what I have often watched is that I've watched the conscious person, often a female, who dates the unconscious man, who's very kind and lovely man, but open. And she starts talking about concepts to him, and he starts becoming interested in it, and he starts researching it. He then gets his aha moment, and boom, in no time at all, he's matching her Mm. with true clarity it is possible i've watched it happen several times and it's fascinating and fabulous and it's often the men that i'm watching now this is a sweeping generalization Mm, mm. but i'm watching men become spiritually enlightened consciously aware and at a very very high level within a few months of what would have taken me 20 years the sweeping generalization does still seem to be that men there's not as many men who are on the spiritual bandwagon. I mean, this is like Oprah's audience, you know, like they're all chicks, like as in people who are genuine, usually interested in the real spiritual concept stuff, usually for whatever reason still tend to be more female skewed. And a lot of my clients come to me because they're, they're waking up 
from 20, 30 year marriages with men who are really in a different dimension. They've done so much self-discovery work and enlightenment and self-evolution. They can't even hold the same wavelength anymore with that soul that they signed up with when they were 21 or 16 or, you know, they can't, they can't do it. So I'm seeing a lot of marriages end and they're coming to me. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Well, they're coming to you and then after a little while they're then coming to me. <laughs> we work well together. <laughs> Complimentary. So... First of all, time sped up. I think that's an important point to make. So second of all, the ways, the vehicles in which we use to use to communicate spiritual tools and techniques and paradigms, they've changed too. So, you know, the 90s was still crushed purple velvet, tarot. Crystals. Psychic, dusty old crystals, psychic expos, little old ladies in granny flats who'd flip over cards and mutter and say strange things. Um, Doreen Virtue was that kind of weird angel lady who did the rounds. You know, Hay House had the occasional speaker who was still a bit controversial that people thought were either nuts or totally into or nuts. There was no middle ground, basically, for the longest time, wasn't there? You no, either, there wasn't. You were either kind of mental or you were... Which is why I loved your marketing. When I first met Beck, her marketing was um, psyched in stilettos. And I loved it because Amber and I, and my gorgeous girlfriend and I, we used to call ourselves hippies with lippy. And so when I was um, first coming out as a psychic in the mid to late noughties, as we say, 2000s, um, a magazine article, a magazine wanted to do an article on me and a couple of others, and they called it the lipstick psychics, which was a really cool term. And it's what Jane's talking about. It's at the same time that um, there was a girl in England published a book called The Shaman in Stilettos. I launched my business called The Psychic in Stilettos just to make it a bit sexier. And I used to market, and this is 10 years ago, but I used to put together little packages like your lunchtime past lives with a peach bellini. Or I'd say, um, I don't know, manifestation with a margarita or stuff just to make it sexy and cool, like a bit sex in the city. And a bit. I used to use the little animated cartoon girls walking through the city with their poodles and their little pencil skirts because psychic had not been sexed up i used to have an image in my head and this was years ago when again psychic was still so daggy and had all these late victorian connotations of ouija boards and crystal balls and dark you know smoky rooms you know with ether and you know and i and i thought okay so what i want to do is set up a business on one of the coolest funkiest trendiest strips in town Outside is a glowing sign that just says the word white. You go inside and everything's white and stainless steel and glass and Philip Stark chairs and like hanging light fixtures and there's a girl at the desk with like a clipboard and everything's almost clinical and you come in and sit down and there's like phalaenopsis orchids and Vogue magazines on the coffee table and you come to see for your psychic appointment and you go in. And like, no. And that's what I experienced when I first met Beck, and I loved it. <laughs> I, don't I know, loved it. I didn't get it quite to that level, but that's what, well, I, very close. what I tried to pitch it at because I just wanted to, for a very long time, I never got piercings. I still don't have a tattoo. I never did anything funky with my hair, or I never put on the Cleopatra eyeliner. I used to wear corporate suits, or I'd wear very conservative clothes for a long time to shock people out of the expectation of, oh, you're going to go see a psychic. And then I'd come in looking like the full career, glossy businesswoman. 
woman yeah. and they wouldn't quite know what to think. And Stacey DeMarco did a lot of this too by publishing The Witch in the Boardroom and by getting around in suits and white suits and stilettos for a long time and not looking like you'd imagine a witch to look like. You know, she was very, very fashionable. So a lot of that groundbreaking work had to be done. And then, you know, years later, out came people like Gabrielle Bernstein, which drove me crazy because I, there was that, that part of me that was like, I thought of this years ago. And where she'd take... But she did it. She did it with, like, graffiti in the background or her sitting on a skateboard in the middle of the street saying, let's talk about meditation. And I'd be like, yeah. But, like, but you know, it's it's the people that have needed to take a lot of people by the hand and say, it's it's okay, it's cool, it's normal, it's accessible, it's not that frightening. That's right. And that's, that's, a, that's part of the movement. That's part of the expansion of being able to... had to happen yes. through the 2000s to get it to the point that it is now. And what I see now is I would put anyone under the umbrella of what I call spiritual or new age. If I'd call a vegan chef spiritual, I'd call a yoga fanatic spiritual, I'd call somebody who blogs on Instagram all of their green smoothies and beach walks spiritual. You know, I, I'd call half the half the boys out there doing all the fitness stuff spiritual because why? Because they're holistic, because they're open-minded, because they, they usually have peaceful political beliefs, they usually have accepting sorts of social beliefs, like Again, these are sweeping generalisations, but it kind of comes with the territory. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree, Jane? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I can remember being, well, nobody made me feel I made me feel, but I didn't feel as though I fit in with the spiritual crowd that I wanted to hang with because I was wearing store-bought whatever clothes that are probably made in China that I had makeup on Polyester that I <laughs> ate meat um, that I didn't meditate and I probably had a champagne in my hand. And initially I felt like that world, you had to be that way or you weren't welcome. And I know that there is thou. also, I did, mm. there was a uniform and you had to be that way. There was a holier-than-thou thing going on. But having said that, I've equally met some elders that were the groundbreakers of this way of being and their wisdom teachings that were absolutely wonderful and they could not have cared less if I'd had six champagnes in front of me. They could not have cared less. They were that true, non-judgmental, we don't need to make statements, we are here to be of service, we are here to help. And that's so beautiful. And I feel it's like this fine line between wanting to worship and honour and acknowledge those that came beforehand but also applauding the new way because it's more accessible to more people. That's where I, I feel I'm kind of... It just keeps getting sexed up, which is fine, because it keeps... I'm modern, not sure you even have to use the word sexed up. Modernising with the times is what I really mean. I mean, but it is. It's so much more attractive and beautiful now. It's the same as cookbooks. You know how Donna Hay came along and absolutely turned the world in Australia, anyway, upside down? Because every single cookbook, from time immemorial to Donna Hay, was dark lighting, heavy old plates, heavy old napkins, stodgy old food. And then she just went, let's be radical and do minimalism, glass, white and light with hardly any ingredients and everyone lost their minds and I see that the same things happen with spirituality we've actually brought it out of the dusty cobwebby corners into modernity minimalism sexiness freshness lightness and and so there's been a big marketing drive behind bringing the spiritual enlightenment to to the world which, which I've loved and appreciated now one thing I want to say there is so when Jane's referring to 
the old guard and the old teachers. And you still do get some of this now. So if you're going to go seek out a real, really spiritual person, like a shaman or a psychic or, you know, I don't know, chakra balancer or whatever, chances are you may still get someone who is going to do what I personally consider to be real old school psychic stuff. Not to say it doesn't work um, at all. It's, it's everything, all paths lead to Rome. It's all powerful. They may be constructing intricate macabre systems around your light body and putting in grids and violet flames of Saint Germain and different archangels on each northeast southwest point. And they may be doing all this stuff which takes all of this time and following. Like I've had Reiki sessions where they go point by point by point down six pieces of paper to do, make sure they put this light in and they do that thing there and then they put that grid there. And, then they, and you know what? Part of that's confidence, like, you know what, if you if, if you believe it, you can have it in an instant. That's it. That's, that's magic. Right. That's miracles. That's intention. That's vibration. And part of it's what Jane's talking about, this instant healing, speeding up. You don't need to spend 15 minutes constructing a 15-minute, uh, sorry, a bloody light macabre, co- complicated, pointed star when it's just a bit 90s. Yeah, it it's is. just a bit 90s. It is. it is, absolutely. Now, having said that, we have to look at the vibration of the client to the practitioner. So if we are, you know, sometimes you've got to stop. Sometimes it's not about, yeah, you, well, I always felt when I was doing the whole Reiki thing, the 40-minute session or whatever, I always felt that everything happened within the first two minutes. I reckon for me it used to be 60 seconds to warm myself up, to get myself connected to upstairs management and be plugged in and turned on and all of that. And then 60 seconds for them to download it through me into them. And then it was done. And the rest of it was a gift of me actually projecting love to this person of stillness and peace and tranquility and nice music and just stopping and breathing and feeling good about themselves. That's fascinating. And I think that that's true for many people. Um, but there are, so you know, so what I was saying is there are those times when you need to go and seek out that old school way of doing things there's but there's problem. also a yeah. purest way about it like you know we could trust that purism was beautiful but then I want to also talk about some of the old school psychics that come from fear and how many times Beck have you had in your life because I know I've had loads in mine where I've had friends say can I talk to you Jane I went and saw this psychic and she's told me and they're in fear they've been told something negative well, they come to me and they say I'm really nervous about this yeah it's like why what, what what idea in because your they don't head? want to hear well their idea is they don't want to hear you tell them something negative correct they don't want to have their power taken away they don't want to know too much I understand all of that it's not and this is where but I that's have, because so many psychics do that I've had people come to me and say I have I had a curse put on me by someone in Hollywood Boulevard or I've had you know crazy stuff you know mm. so um, this is where I've watched my own journey from about two thousand and five when I first discovered I could channel to now twenty fifteen. Um, you know, evolve, and I'm sure. Happy birthday! <laughs> tenth birthday! Jesus, I should hey. do something for that. Last month was Social Ed's tenth birthday. Hmm. Yes, where we go? Year of celebrations. We should have a fair trade biodynamic champenoise, Jane. Um, so, <laughs> over the last ten years, I began as the old school psychic because that was my books, that was my teaching, and I would do. I see a tall, dark-haired man in September. I see, you know, it was all just future projections. Then I did some past lives, and I could tell you who your spirit guides were and your angels were. Now, nothing's changed. I can still access any or all of that information if you want me to. To be honest, 
is kind of exhausting. What I find much more empowering and much more exciting at this point of my career is to bring in those psychology tools, bring in those emotional tools. Let's use my intuition, not just to tell you what's going to happen, because so what? So what? There's only... There's only a few like probabilities that that's actually going to happen anyway because there's a whole bunch of different paths splayed out in front of you of choices, of possibilities, depending on the, the decisions that you're making when you got up this morning. And those can change at any time. So rather than giving you airy-fairy stuff in the future, which, which can be used with purpose when it's to reconnect someone with their excitement and passion again. But otherwise, let's use my intuition to go straight in to see the blocks that you can't see. Where is your shadow side? Where are your wounds? Where are your childhood traumas? Where is your stuff? Let's do it faster than a psychologist can do it by telling stories and talking you in circles for hours. Let's go straight in and go, boom, age of 12, tell me what was going on with dad. Boom, schoolyard, six years old, what was going on with that girl? Let's talk about it. Where's the emotion? Where is it in your body? What color is it? Let's talk about it. When's the first time you ever felt it? Did you bring it in in this lifetime or did you learn it when you got here? People know the answers to these questions really fast. You get them to close their eyes, they'll tell you, boom, boom, boom. It's done. And it's so much more empowering when you combine psychic skills with these, putting it back on the patient or the client more, where they are telling you what emotions they're holding in your body, their body, they're telling you where they first learned it, they're telling you which parent they learned it from, and they're telling you what they're going to do with it to shift it. And that, to me, is what a good, modern, 21st century psychic should be delivering, rather than flipping over cards and saying, oh, three children, but I see a car crash. <laughs> oh, fuck off. I mean, seriously, I promised I wouldn't swear so much on this show, but fuck off with That's that. That's for this episode, stop. <laughs> we had a complaint. Sorry. I did actually ask Beck to try and calm it down, but... Um, there won't be any more this episode. <laughs> right, you're on rations. Hey, it's her passion. It's her passion when talking. When I get passionate, I get really sweary. <laughs> well, so that's because that... Look, let's look at really where that comes from. That's, a, that's actually an energy that is wanting to be like boom, Boom, notice what I'm saying. I'm feeling this very strongly. Can I and ask cool. you, Jane, a personal mm. question for the benefit of the re- of the listeners, for the readers. readers? I'll never break that habit. No. Journalism. The readers. Um, you're married to a man who, in his own way, is quite, you know, he's holistic and open-minded. He's a funny mm. little old gnome. You know, he's got his own, his own little ways. Yeah. But to, to a large extent, he's pretty much your average bloke. Yeah. And you're a witch. Yeah. How does that work for you? How do you live with someone who's kind of in a different dimension most of the time? Apart from the odd blip where he, he has that little moment, that psychic moment that he'll have or he'll put a crystal on a tractor or something. <laughs> there are times that I'm frustrated that he can't understand a concept that I do to the depth I do. But I understood a long time ago that my husband was to be my husband. He's not to be all things. And so I've got my tribe for different things. And all girlfriends for... Yeah. 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 You know, you got you and my other couple of beautiful girlfriends that I can have any richly, deeply spiritual conversation to the depth that I require. So I let Simon off the hook. He's not required for that. And so this is for everyone who's got friends or family who still just have no idea what you're talking about or totally don't get it or will never understand or still actually challenge you or put that face on, that kind of disapproving, tsky kind of face. If you say something, it's a bit woo-woo. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, he, know, he doesn't do that to no. me. He, he totally lets me do no, my Simon work. doesn't, no, but I'm talking about for, for everyone who's listening, how do they deal when it's their mother or their boyfriend or their best friend from kindergarten who, who can't really allow them to really be them, this new them that they're emerging into, which might be highly metaphysical, highly spiritual? Well, then that's where you've got the choice. Is this person important in your life or not? And if the answer is not, you let it go. If the answer is yes, then you accept the role that they play in if your it's life. your mother and, you, you know, uh, it, it's about figuring out how to all live side by side with these very radically different belief systems to be honest yeah exactly that's right um it's seeing their worth you know it's i don't actually want to be hanging out with people that are me all the time like bet's not me and my other gorgeous girlfriends are not me they're them I don't need to have a partner that totally gets everything about me and that I totally get everything about him. It's just not required. And maybe the, the problem with the divorce rate is because we still do have that idea of you completely, you put every single want, need and expectation on the partner and expect Excuse them to be me. everything for Vomit. you. Yeah. I couldn't think of anything worse. Because That's the surest way I would get divorced. Because one person cannot possibly offer you all of the different dimensions for spiritual growth or emotional, you know, physical mental Correct. growth that you need. And that's why you need a range of different people in your life. It's that's right. on on this on that matter why affairs sometimes happen because the one person that you're with can't be everything to you maybe somebody else shows up who starts to deepen or develop a corner of you of you that's laid untouched for decades that you didn't know was there but you need to grow a little bit with that person who can bring it out of you yeah i mean from a higher spiritual point of view here um so i want to get back to this idea that the world is currently split into an xy vibration and it's split into two dimensions because like the other night, I there was a movie on that I wanted to see, and um, so that meant so it was on TV. So that meant that I had to see advertisements. I mean, I could have muted them, but you know, and it meant I had to see news up news breaks, which I don't do because it, the two times a year I accidentally hear a news break. Oh, and today a twelve-year-old was molested. A kid jumped off a cliff and died. Six people were shot in Syria, and this happened. And I and. Psh, that's why I don't listen to the news because it's we know this right I'm, I'm selling snow to Eskimos here by telling you guys this but the news the people who create the news the anchors the journalists and the people who perpetuate the need for that kind of information are in a different vibration to me and I choose to not exist in their reality my dad bless him scientific skeptic atheist who says stuff like he's just really worried about what the earth is going to be like for his grandchildren with this climate change stuff and this environmental degradation and all. Do you know what? Don't give a second to that kind of energy. You do what you need to do. You go and hug a tree. You give money to the wildlife fund. You recycle. Get a grey water system. I don't care. Don't be stupid about it. But you do not get up every morning and feed fear to the things which you do not wish to happen or attract. It's basic basic spiritual mathematical logic. It's a fucking form. I didn't say it. It's a, it's a formula. It is a formula. It's classic Abraham. People who breast check on the first day of every single month looking for breast cancer, what do you think is going to happen if you wake up every month and look for breast cancer? Oh. You find what you're looking for. What do you think is going to happen if, oh, my God, I stopped by my mum's the other day. It was a hot day. I had 10 minutes. I just wanted to rest between two appointments. I thought I could just go in the living room, use the free Wi-Fi, have a cup of water, sit down and relax, then before I have to get in the car and drive again. 
So first I get a 10 minute lecture on, no, five minutes, I've only got 10 minutes. First, I get a five minute lecture on snakes. She's laminated something for me on snakes. It's snake season, this is what you do in event of a snake bite. This is what you need to lie in prone position, da 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 and strap and bandage, and do you know this for the children? Have you got a copy of this in the house, and where are you going to put it? I'm like, mum! And then... The next five minutes, it's bushfire season. So have you got your kit? I've got your kit for you. He's got all the information in it. What is your plan? You know you have to leave immediately. I'm like, Mum, I'm trying to have 10 minutes. And why are we spending all of this fear-based energy on stuff which I can tell you what, I live in the hills, I live in the bush. I'm not scared of bushfire. There's not one part of my body that's scared of fires and I've had fires come within eight kilometres of me and I'm not worried. It's not going to happen. I haven't called into my reality to have my house burnt down, my photo album's gone, my dog dead, and my kids and me in the car running off with a sleeping bag. It's not, I'm not here to do that in this lifetime, Jane. I've got time for that shit. It's not happening. I'm not worried about it. I had a beautiful brown snake in my driveway the other day. You should have seen him minding his own snaky business. He was so happy. He was just crossing, going from here to over there. He didn't have a care in the world. He was very happy. What am I going to be worried about bloody snakes for? It's not going to bite me. I'm, I'm, I'm peace and love. I love wildlife. We haven't got a problem with each other. Which is why we follow our heart. And that whole heart-centred thing that I said at the beginning, that the only rule that applies is my own heart-centred. It's what we need to look at with all of these different modalities, whether it's the old-fashioned, the newer. It's what you feel is your intent, what is in your heart, and that's going to actually do it. So... If you've got the brown snake biting you in your heart, oh, it's going to happen. That's a bit of a negative way to end. We can't end on no, that. We can't end, on, that end on much more positive. Absolutely. No, no, no. So no, this no. Is so if you've got love in your heart for all of the beautiful brown snakes and everyone, then they'll just go on their way and do their thing. This is just, it's just a reminder to stay precise with your words and control your thoughts because they really do create exactly all of your experiences and exactly what is going to happen to you. And you are the only person in charge of that. And to put the blame elsewhere is just to operate in a different dimension. The only rule that applies is my own heart-centered intuition. Thank you so much for listening. Please keep busy on our Facebook page where we put up the show every week and Jane and I put up lots of memes and thoughts and sometimes throw out suggestions or questions to the tribe and you can message us there and our Facebook page is? Which is facebook.com forward slash love life show. And if you got any value out of today's show, even the amount of a cup of coffee, please go to lovelifeshow.com and click our donate button so that we can keep this show going with quality and quantity forever and ever and ever so it never has to come to an end. We rely on you guys to help us to do our thing and until this time next week have fun being psychic in a really sexy modern fresh way life is perfect i'm not trying it's just happening and it's a beautiful day